When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not as simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. What's up? Welcome into the Athletic Fantasy Football Podcast. Here we are on Monday, September 20th, week two, just about in the books. Got the Monday night game between the Packers and Lions ahead of us, but 15 week one games in our rear view mirror. Michael Beller, Brandon Funston, Jake Seeley. We are going to talk about those games with you. Take a look ahead to week three waivers, talk about some trades, talk about some do we panic on sorts of guys. We've got a whole big show ready for you here on this Monday. Funston, how'd week two treat you, my friend? Pretty good. A nice little rebound. You know, I think I remember uh, bringing up the fact that when you lose the opener, you know, like the thought of going to 0-2 is just so daunting. And uh here I sit with no zero and two teams, you know, across the board. Ooh. So I'm very, very happy about how week two transpired. Look at this, Jake, little humble brag from our buddy up there. <laughs> no zero and two teams. Look at me. Look at that. What's going on with you, Jake, in this week two? I don't know. Are you gonna, week three, maybe you stop asking me. I told you I don't <laughs> check. I don't check until Tuesdays. I'm not, not like Brandon. You know, I'm not like a little over top your, of it. How was your Sunday? Did you have a nice day? Did you enjoy it? What do you like? No, about the I want to do the show. Let's get into the show. That's what I want to do. <laughs> All right. Well, let's get into the show again. We got a lot. I want to talk fantasy. Let's talk fantasy. Then I want to actually start with um, the last game of the day. It was a pretty fun one between the Ravens and the uh, Chiefs with the Ravens pulling out that 36-35 win late. Great quarterback play on both sides of that one. Big stats, of course, on both sides of that one. But yeah, we don't need to really talk too much about uh, Lamar Jackson or Patrick Mahomes. Who I do want to talk about is the Ravens' backfield. And after what we saw in this game, Jake, what are you thinking about this Ravens' backfield? It's better than what we might have worried about in going into week two, but it's some. I just finished. Hi, Alex again, who jumped over from the show with Chris Media and all in football. Uh, like it really comes down to it's similar to the Dolphins' backfields for anybody that just finished watching that show. I'll say the same thing, so I'll leave more for you guys to chew on here. But it's the Dolphins' backfield where he absorbs fifty percent of it. The other fifty percent are the other two running backs involved. But at least Tyson Williams is the lead. You have to worry about losing goal line carries to Murray, but at least he's the lead, and at least that's low end RB two value. Yeah, I, I, you know, I have, I have shares of Tyson Williams. I have shares of any other guy. I'm kind of feel a little bit better about Tyson Williams right now than I did going into week two. Like mm-hmm. I'm okay. I can kind of live with this, as Jake says. You can get maybe back end RB two production, or even feel okay throwing him into the flex spot. Um, yeah, you worry about the goal line, but he's. 
you know, he's the looks like the he's the youngest guy there, the freshest legs, and it kind of shows. You know, it's like we know what Latavius Murray is. I think if they're gonna end up leaning heavily on one guy ever, it seems like it's gonna be Tyson Williams. Yeah, thirteen carries for seventy-seven yards for Williams in this game, and you had Murray steal away the touchdown. As Jake said, Lamar's going to take so much off the table. That's really the concern here. But uh, yeah, I, I'm with you guys, right? If you're invested in Tyson Williams, you probably feel better today than you did a week ago, and he had the better fantasy game a week ago at this time. So definitely reason to feel better about him after what we saw in that game against the Chiefs. And I think good reason to feel decent about McCole Hardman. We're going to use McCole Hardman and our next guy to jump into a quick waiver discussion for week three. I say an ad where available because in most leagues or in most uh, formats, he is above a 50% roster rate in Yahoo. He's at 53. You look at CBS, he's even up into the seventies on ESPN. He's down in the fifties as well. So not a guy who all of us can go out and add, but for people who can go out and add McCall Hardman, Brandon, I, I think really interesting after what we saw in this game, eight targets for McCall Hardman caught five of them for 55 yards. I don't know how much credence you put in matchup history, but weirdly he's always shown up against the Ravens. So that's been something, but um, you know, I think you got a temper enthusiasm. This team's always going to be led by Tyreek Hill or Travis Kelsey. Mm-hmm. He has a hard time giving giving Clyde Edwards hilarious touches, you know. So um so yes, he's a piece that has to be added if he's out there. And uh, but I just think the volatility will always be there. Um this was his, you know, this was his high water mark in terms of targets. It was a five catch fifty-five yard day. And so it's like, okay. Yeah, he's showing up on the radar, but like, it's not like this is a big splash. And uh, I would just, like I said, temper enthusiasm. Don't go, uh, don't go too crazy. No, it's more like look at what happened in week one too. The Ravens are beatable deep and with yeah. speed. So this is definitely more matchup. The snaps and opportunities are fine and exciting, but they're the same snaps and opportunities we saw in week one and the preseason. He's very on par with Demarcus Robinson, and Tyreek Hill was obliterated from being on the page in that game. They just took him away. They said, "You're we're done. We're no Tyreek Hill." Well, guess what? That's it, Travis Kelsey yeah, exactly. and all the other wide receivers did it instead. So that's what happened. So yeah. you, as mentioned with Brandon, is you don't expect Tyreek Hill to be taken out. He's fine for a wide receiver four, but it would be very matchup dependent. I'd be looking for defenses that play similar to the Ravens and are beatable deep. Yeah, I think that's a, a good spot for McCole Hardman, which does make him, I think, an ad in a lot of spots where he's available. Not all spots where he's available, but definitely there's enough juice here to want to get in on him. A tough loss for the Chiefs, and I'll say maybe an even tougher loss for those of us who uh, jumped in on them when they were minus three at the very start of the week and just <laughs> felt like we were cruising all night long, and then suddenly the rug totally got pulled out from underneath us is the rug getting pulled out from underneath Mike Davis. You guys, he had a lot of usage in this game for the Falcons. Their loss to the Buccaneers, plenty of usage for Mike Davis, but a lot of usage for Cordero Patterson as well, especially in the passing game where he had six targets, caught five of them, he had 69 yards from scrimmage. He scored two touchdowns. Mike Davis has yet to get into the end zone this season. Jake, you take this one first. Is Cordero Patterson a thing to the extent that we're adding him on waivers right now? No, that's the same way as it's not really a thing of Latavius Murray. I mean, I guess if you put on waivers, if something happened to Mike Davis, but you're never starting Cordero Patterson, you're never, like maybe desperation they face the lions and you have guys on by but we're not to the bye weeks yet like that could kind of be a situation but unless something happens to mike davis mike davis is still the lead 
I've just compared it on the other show to it's basically James Robinson and Carlos Hyde. And Carlos Hyde is a yep. thorn in the side and it's capping the value. And you put Mike Davis on the James Robinson value level is their low end RB2 flex running backs. But mm-hmm. the other option is not really usable week in and week out. See, I, I sort of disagree. I, I don't see how Cordero Patterson is going away. If you just watch the game, like there's so many different ways you use him. He's the, he was kind of the only real kind of heartbeat. Uh, in this game for Atlanta and it's kind of been that way for the first two games and I don't think his usage goes down I don't think it's necessarily going to have to be always at the detriment of Mike Davis because he's sort of got that joker that you can just line him up anywhere on the field but I think Atlanta's decided Cordell Patterson's going to be our x-factor he's going to be a part of this offense uh, I I would say fairly prominently I just don't think he I mean he had six targets five catches he he could be you know he could be the the third down guy but he could also play wide receiver he could also you know be running jet sweeps and and all this kind of stuff and i think that's what their plan is with him so um i would go out and get him i i just thought i was very intrigued by the way he looked is he like naeem hines like if if naeem hines has value in your league does cordell patterson then automatically have value in your league i mean that's fine they both got like six or seven points that's my point is that okay without the touchdowns for patterson Right. I'm talking yeah, I'm talking about from the yardage standpoint. Yeah, yeah. And that's the same thing with Naeem Hines and it's the same thing with James White. You know, it's all those right. ones. Yeah. If they score mm-hmm. a touchdown, of course, it's great. It looks good, but you're banking on a t- just like Latavius Murray days with and that's why I brought him up with the Saints. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Latavius Murray is fine getting his 40, 50, 60 yards behind Alvin Kamara, but without the touchdown, you don't really want him. I, I again, I'm not saying I'm not adding, but I'm not excited to. I just yep. don't see getting into my lineup. Yeah, I think that's really where it comes down to it. And with Mike Davis, you know, I mean, we're going to talk about players that we are or aren't panicking on after two weeks. And Mike Davis, I think it'd be part of that discussion. But if you're looking for the silver lining, 42 snaps, 28 routes, uh, seven targets and nine carries. And you don't like that Cordell Patterson got the seven carries that he got alongside Mike Davis, but still 16 opportunities after 21 a week ago. Uh, Hasn't been super productive, but he is getting the chances in this Atlanta offense. And we can use now Cordell Patterson and McCall Hardman to talk about week three waiver targets. Another week where, I don't know, guys, just just thinking in over recent years, I feel like this is the first time in a while that we've made it through two weeks without having a total slam dunk guy to go after. And I say that knowing what Eli Mitchell went for a week ago, I don't think any of us was on the bandwagon of thinking he was that slam dunk guy. I know we talked about it in the show a week ago, and then we got the Raheem Mostert news, but not to the extent, Jake, that you were actually getting him. I mean, I read your column. You said if you're desperate for a a running back, you go 40%, and that came nowhere near winning Eli Mitchell anywhere. I won him in my home league with $53. All right, so, so you won him in one spot out of a billion where you didn't win him with no, 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 and you and you no, went thirteen percent higher than you said <laughs> in your column because yeah, and because just like somebody joked in my home league and said uh, you don't even follow your own advice, I said my home league is a keeper league, and my home league I know my home league spending. This is why I say fab all the time. This is why uh-huh. I give people a guide in fab is yep. I don't put the actual percentage because you know your league better than anybody. I know my league better than anybody. I know that if you're in a keeper league where we keep the guys off waivers for potentially only $10 the next year, mm-hmm. I know he's going to go for high 40. So I went, I did. Somebody went for 46 or so. So I got him for 53 because I needed, I also had Saquon Barkley, James Robinson as two of my top three running backs. My other one is really good. But again, <laughs> I know my leagues. So yes, go. I I do think he was a slam dunk. I still said he was a slam dunk and I would buy a low and trade a sermon at the same time. <laughs> 
Well, we'll talk about that San Francisco running back situation a little bit later, but let's look at week three waivers. I think there are a lot of paths you can go. There are a lot of guys to go after, but no one who it's like, oh yeah, he's the guy, regardless of positional need, he's someone who you want to get. So we talked about McCole Hardman. We talked about Cordero Patterson in shallower leagues. Maybe Zach Moss is out there for you. Maybe Rondale Moore is out there for you. Henry Ruggs could be in this discussion. KJ Osborne. Brandon, uh, who's the guy at the top of your list, let's say, regardless of position? Week three waivers, the one guy who is you're clicking in first no matter what. You know, the guy that's on the list that you mentioned here and you just you just talked about or not talked about but brought his name up is Rondell Moore. In two weeks, he's the guy that's flashed the most to me. I would say right now if I if he's out there in my waivers, I'm going after him. Um, targeted five times out of the gate in week one, eight times in week two. Watch him with the ball in his hand. We know that he is amazing, but it's just, you know, getting that confirmation again each time. It's just exciting Uh to watch this guy with the ball in his hand. There's no way that's going to go away because that's such a threat in that offense. And, um, you know, he's been productive through the first two weeks. He's just a rookie. He's just going to get better. He's going to understand this offense better. It's just going to get, you know, he's the guy I'm going in for this week. Yeah, I'm going in to immediately flip him in a trade, though. Um, I, I can't. It's He's still behind. We were just doing this last week with Christian Kirk. He's still behind Christian Kirk in snaps. He's still behind A.J. Green in snaps. Uh, you say it's not going to go away, Brandon. I just I think it, it can easily go away in any given game. You know, well, in any given about- game, but I you, you expect the you expect the snaps to grow as a rookie. You know, I, get- no, that's uh, that's what I'm saying. I don't. I because he's blocked they they can't grow that's the problem is unless he steps past Christian Kirk which I think he's the better talent mm-hmm. we go back to the bull prediction show Beller knows that I was joking I said like this is the path he gets there so I'm with you in the fact that if he gets past Kirk and now he's out there for 40 snaps every single week I'm with you if he gets past AJ Green and AJ Green goes toast which he actually showed some burst in that game scored um, a touchdown yes yes did score a touchdown as well and had a nice catch after that yep. you know if he gets there yes absolutely but under 30 snaps every single week I just can't do it so I'm doing it to sell high immediately so yes I am picking him up but if I need somebody uh, like there's a couple names on here that I would add before I got to him that I need. And for this list that you just mentioned, I think the one that seems the outlier to the rest for me is as bad as that offensive line looks, Devontae Parker. It, Will Fuller, mm-hmm. there's rumors coming out of Miami that Will Fuller's not coming back to football, period. Like, and they're joking on the Miami front saying it's Ricky Williams all over again uh, differently, but we don't know what's going on with him. Hopefully it's not life family issues or whatever mm-hmm. it is, but Devontae Parker, as much as it's two wide receivers, it's Devontae Parker and Jalen Waddell. Jalen Waddell, Devontae Parker. Targets, 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 targets. Gasicki's left out of the equation. It's two guys. I know that it might be Jacoby Brissett, but Jacoby Brissett has been productive and capable of throwing to wide receivers for his career. I like Mooney enough that you know, Fields is that quarterback. And there's a, like, a lot of these receivers are the same, but if yeah. I want somebody I'm going out there and putting in as my wide receiver three, the only person on the list for me is Devontae Parker. Yeah, not- I don't think it's a bad call. I, the one thing I would go back to Ron, Rondale Moore is even though snaps aren't as high, I think there's a higher amount of, of plays that are just specifically designed to go to Rondale Moore. So even mm-hmm. when, you know, it's not just like they're throwing him out there and if, if he makes it in the progression of Kyler Murray, he gets the ball. I think there's, uh, you know, a handful of those plays that he's out there where they're just like, this is a Rondale Moore play. 
and and you know that's kind of you know something that they looked like they were very evidently doing in the preseason was designing plays for him specifically. Let's let's, let's do a lineup where we could do a lineup you versus you can have Cordero Patterson, Zach Moss, Gainwell, Moore, and I'll take Parker, Pascal, <laughs> Patrick, and who Peace. else is out there? Tom Darnold Mooney. <laughs> I'll take all the volume guys. You can have all the high hey I mean, opportunity on touches. <laughs> Rondell Moore's got fourteen targets through two games. He's maybe something of a volume guy. Yeah. Yeah, that's, but that's what I'm saying. It's, it's hard for me to trust that, you know, defenses are smart. They're not just going to start, you know, okay, yeah. we'll let Rondell Moore beat us every single week. I don't want, so Zach, Don- I don't want Zach Moss, by the way. I, <laughs> I, I refuse to accept him <laughs> on my team. Get out of here. Get he's, out got, of here he's got the highest touchdown rate on touches in the NFL. <laughs> uh, Devontae Parker, for what it's worth, nine catches and 16 targets so far this season, 123 yards. And if Will Fuller is indeed not going to play this season or is not going to play for a while this season, that it is easy to like Devontae Parker, remember where he was just a couple of years ago in that Miami offense. We've got a question here about some of these guys. This one uh, is coming to us from Alex. K.J. Osborne, Hunter Renfro, Zach Pascal. I mean, Osborne and Renfro, to me, are both intriguing enough in deeper leagues with the work that they're getting in their offenses. And, you know, we're going to talk about Derek Carr in a second here. We might have to recalibrate some expectations for this Vegas passing game. Where are you at on this one, Jake? Uh, so all three of them, or we're we just saying like all three, or like they're hey, they're all three in the waiver last week. KJ Osborne was the last one. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's O S B O R N. By the way, can we do, do this right? Alex added a- adding extra letters, putting a Z in there. Come on, Alex. Uh, so KJ Osborne, Renfro, and Pascal are all in there. They were actually reverse order: Pascal, Renfro, then mm-hmm. Osborne. I would still keep them that as of today. Pascal is still one Pascal of the top first. two. Yeah, uh, Zach Pascal, yeah, for the, of ODU, but they just, he looks for him in the red zone. Uh, you know, he actually was having a quiet day until the touchdown, but he's got that. It's, I compared him to Adam Thielen. He's like, again, I'm not saying he's on Adam Thielen's talent level, but it's a similar usage where it's like, why, you know, all of a sudden Pascal becomes a thing in the red zone. He's got the eye for him, even despite the fact that Michael Pittman is the better talent. So it's him. I think Renfro, I've said this many times, I said in the waiver column as, as, uh, Wait, did you edit last week or did Nando did? I think Nando edited last week. Anyway, I said <laughs> Nando, he's there. Cole yeah. Beasley. He's, you know, if you want that, uh-huh. if you need that Cole Beasley half point, full point PPR. Osborne's fun. They're running a hell of a lot of more three wide than they ever did. That being the Vikings. I still am always hesitant to have any third wide receiver on any team, even including the highest scoring offenses in the league. Because like, look at what just happened to Van Jefferson. You right. know, Van Jefferson was out there a lot again. But three targets, one catch. That mm-hmm. could happen to Osborne any given week. And will happen to Osborne eventually. Yeah. 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 Right. Yeah. Don't have a whole lot to add. It just it's Os- Osborne's the guy that's, you know, popped to mm-hmm. me week one, week two. But as as I said, we just got to, you know, wait. I would I would wait on him a little bit and just see if this, you know, how long he mm-hmm. can stay consistent. I, I usually like the, the, the rule of three. You know, you like you like to kind of like. You know, take a look at everything sure. after the first three weeks, oh, kind of get a sense of where things are trending. And <laughs> that's also good. And that's, you could deal three players. No, no, but I agree. Like the third, the third receiver yeah. on a run-heavy team like this is yeah. Uh, and it's not, not as no, though Adam Thielen or Justin Jefferson has been hurting for opportunities in the first two weeks either. So I could see wanting to pump the brakes there on right. KJ Osborne. I think you guys are going to pump the brakes on the way that I've worded this next thing, but I just had to word it this way because he certainly played that way through two weeks. Derek Carr, you guys, a monster game against the Steelers, and you can laugh about this all you want, but let's no, uh, that's not what I'm laughing. I'm, I'm laughing that you like threw in like a Schwarzenegger accent in there. He's like Derek Carr, you guys, like you heard uh, it too, right? <laughs> Derek Carr, 817 yards and four touchdowns through two games. I mean, what are we thinking about him? This Vegas offense. I mean, this is two very impressive performances against defenses we generally 
put a lot of respect on in the Ravens and the Steelers. What do we got here, Brandon? Look, at you know me. I've been a Derek Carr fan. He has, he's never not been a top 20 fantasy quarterback. Um, although, you know, our colleague Michael Salfino called him top 12 in his column, you know, this week. It's in the headline. Uh, I, I wouldn't go that far. Um, but he's got some wide receivers that are starting to ascend. And, you know, I, I think Derek Carr is good. I think he's solid. He doesn't run. Um and that's going to knock mm-hmm. him out of the QB1 mix for me. And so that's that's what I say but I mean what what can you say about Derek Carr other than he is kind of he he's a good quarterback doesn't probably get as much respect as he deserves, but you put talent around him, he can he can use it, you know? And so that's a solid QB2 in in super flex leagues or in two quarterback leagues. He's eighth so far in the season <laughs> for quarterbacks. Wow, uh, eighth is, with all that eighth. with all that in front passing. Of, Matthew Stafford. It's, it's, there's just no running. That's, he's that's in front the of Dak Prescott, and he's in front <laughs> well, of Dak didn't Josh, do anything. We do. He's in front of Josh Allen. Yeah. He's in front of oh, Joe Burrow. Draft that. Joe Burrow. Ryan Tannehill. <laughs> Justin Herbert. He actually has twenty more fantasy points than Justin Herbert. So just to like again, I, I'm throwing all those names out there, and we are like kind of smiling and tongue in cheek. But I think the fact is, you know, maybe Derek Carr is a fringe QB one if they're going to keep passing like they're passing. You know, even week mm-hmm. one, even with Josh Jacobs out there, they're still passing a hell of a lot more. Yeah. Uh, Henry Ruggs and Brian Edwards are involved a hell of a lot more. And if you're going to do similar to the Chiefs, if you're going to take away Darren Waller like they tried to do, and they did, they capped Darren Waller in that yeah. game. Well, guess what? Henry Ruggs, Hunter Renfro, Brian Edwards, and then freaking Foster Moreau stealing the touchdown from, <laughs> yep. from Darren Waller. Yeah. But they're just going to do that, and Kenyon Drake's going to get work out of the backfield. Yep. So, no, I'm not calling Derek Carr top 10, but if you want to say in the 11 to 15 range, which involves two spots of being a QB1, mm-hmm. like right in that group, I'm not going to say you're wrong. Put it. I will say this. I think he's, I think he's Matt Ryan, who we thought Matt Ryan would be. He could I be. I, no, I was going to say yeah. through two games – if you told me Derek Carr or Ryan Tannehill, I'll go Derek Carr as of today. You'll like take him from this point forward. Yeah. There's this mm-hmm. again, the Titans offense looked better, but they still had some concerns and it was led a lot by Derrick Henry. He should have had another touchdown pass. Tannehill should have. Ridiculous. <laughs> oh, oh yeah, okay. I bet on top of it. With so the Julio, you know, you the Julio touchdown taken off. But the if board. you I watched a hell of a lot of that game. There were still little hiccups uh-huh. in that Ryan Tannehill. Again, and a lot of it they did more, but the, the play action needs to come back up even more. It was better, but it still needs to come back even further. Uh, quickly on this one, on the other side of this game, obviously we're, we've all got our fingers crossed for good news on Deontay Johnson after he suffered that knee injury at the end of the game. Rethinking anything with the Steelers, Jake? Anything that you thought a couple of weeks ago that you feel differently about now? No, I think yeah, everybody saw that immediate panic for Najee Harris go right out the window. Mm-hmm. And the same thing like that. Derek Henry, that was a hell of a lot of fun. They're both back. Yeah. I will say it's the Ben Roethlisberger. Everybody was just like, why do you have Ben Roethlisberger around 20 if you have all three wide receivers inside the top 30? It's because you can do this. This Sam Darnold, uh, Derek, uh, Jared Goff, they've done it for years. Yeah. Ben Roethlisberger looks bad. And now he's blaming Cannon today. And he's it's like it's yeah. uh, uh, not Canada, uh, Canada, Canada. Uh, yeah, Canada, Canada, okay, whatever. <laughs> so yeah, you know, like he's saying, like I don't know, talk to him about the play call. Yeesh. Really, Ben? I did not see yeah. that. Yeah, so that's that's my only concern. I hope Deontay. Well, my biggest concern is Deontay. Yeah, we need I, that. Please don't be hurt. Another well, great game for Deontay. He, uh, you know, I'm glad I have no shares of Deontay. Sure. I've not seen him pop. I have I have not seen him pop up from a tackle yet this year without holding something. Uh, he he just seemingly gets hurt every time he gets touched. 
and but whether it's a long term hurt or whatever, he just he's soft. No. He is so soft. You know I'm gonna second Jake. Shut up. Actually, I'm yeah. gonna second to shut up because I've got. I'll say the one takeaway about this is what I, I said it on the other show. The one takeaway is I think that Pat Fryermuth, if you were chasing yes. the tight ends of the Part Browns, of the if you're chasing the tight ends of the Saints, if you were chasing like those tight ends, I'd go get Fryermuth. He's already doubled. I think he was almost double Ebron snaps. Yes, he's he he's was. already passed him. And did he? Yeah. he and, and did Ebron have a target in that game? Uh, he's hurt, quick. right? He was. I mean, he was banged up, but I yeah. mean, it wasn't like oh, yeah, two targets. Yeah, two targets. Okay, so Fryermuth is yeah. clearly ascending beyond him. And speaking of ascending, uh, this was something we thought was we were maybe saving for the second half of the season. But do we think uh, at all Michael Carter's happening? Do we think it's happening? After this no, game, not yet. they got blown out. I mean, there was nothing really there for the Jets, but 11 carries, 59 yards. Ty Johnson had 12 is, carries for 50 I yards. The, but I just feel like, like, like come after, on, Jake, you got to give a little something. No, one, I, 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 I would not have thought this was coming in week two. Now, I'll say it like that. No, when I say it's still not coming in week two, I put the Braveheart gift. Hold, hold, <laughs> yeah, hold. Yeah. This is what we're doing. Hold. <laughs> This is like the sign. It's coming. It's even opportunities with Ty Johnson yesterday. Tevin Coleman completely left out. I'm not throwing Michael Carter into my lineup in week three. Yeah, The time is coming, but that's what I was saying. Hold. It, it was is, a good sign yesterday. All right. So, Funston, does it maybe feel like it's happening sooner than we thought it was after week one, where things stood a week ago? I, I, I took your it's happening as there is movement. Yeah. Out like of maybe, a, week, maybe week out six of instead like of week this, nine. No, yeah, I'm not no, saying- oh, time out. I said week six. Uh, Brandon can back me up with this. I said week six the entire time. I've said week six every single time. All right, so we yeah. have a semantic well, difference here then. <laughs> what I'm saying is there was a tangible movement towards uh, Michael Carter this week and away from Tevin Coleman, and that's a win if you're Michael Carter yeah. rosterer this week. Is okay. At least it's looking like Tevin Coleman is falling by the wayside. Michael Carter looked good in my mind. He looked, uh, you know, from where I was at, he looked better than Ty Johnston. And as long as we can start, you know, c- continuing this evolution that way, That's, then we're going to be good. What is this but, about? Yeah, he's going. He's going to Denver in week in week <laughs> that, three. Thing, we're not. Go, we're not. Sta- we're not starting Michael Carter. Yeah. We get I said that. you can I'm, get excited for week four Titans and Falcons in weeks four and five. There you go. So but, that's when we'll start getting. But this week is at Denver. But the movement, he has made some forward progress, both literally in terms of 59 yards and figuratively in terms of where it seems like he stands relative to the other Jets in the backfield. So good news, I think, for Michael Carter in week two and bad news for Daryl Henderson with his injury. Obviously, another one that we're monitoring. Let's say we are in a world where Daryl Henderson is out, whether one week, two week, three weeks, whatever. Is it Sony Michelle time, Jake, to the extent that he takes over the full share that Daryl Henderson would leave behind if he missed time? Full share, maybe a little bit less in the passing game, but you look at the backfield and it's him and mm-hmm. don't bring the Jake Funk that everybody keeps joking about with that name. But <laughs> that's really what it comes down to is they're probably, if we miss significant time with Henderson, bring somebody in because now they're only down to two running backs. But that's Sony Michelle. That's why they made the trade for him. And yeah, Sony Michelle have RB2 value. I'd put him a little bit low. Like if you said Daryl Henderson going into this game, now no Daryl Henderson, Sony Michelle going forward. If they were both in those situations and able to be ranked. That's what I'm saying. Henderson would rank above Michelle. So he's Mm -hmm. getting the volume, but he would be a low end RB two where I had Henderson as a mid RB two. Yeah, that's uh, I think that's a pretty easy place to stand on Sony uh, Michelle. And then on the other side of this game, we had Carson Wentz suffer the ankle injury. And then word coming out today that he's got injuries to both ankles uh, in a world where he's not playing. Brandon, what are you thinking about the rest of the Colts offense? Jacob Eason is their starter in week three. 
Yeah, I'm already wasn't. I mean, look, there. This Colts offense looked ugly. I mean, I, we don't even talk about Jonathan Taylor just getting stonewalled, mm-hmm. stonewalled at the line at the goal line, and um, and then the receivers Pascal and Paris Campbell and Michael Pittman. Michael Pittman showed up in this one, but like each week, I'm not sure that's what's going to happen with these receivers, and that's 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 the kind of the problem here. And if you put in Jacob Eason, who came in and threw a, a huge interception right away out of the gate, um. Yeah, I would just be steering clear in general. I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna try to follow Michael Pitt. If if it's Jacob Eason, I don't know if I'm playing Michael Pittman this mm-hmm. next week. I yeah. am. You are okay. facing facing the Titans. It, like as as bad as Eason can be. I, I talked. We talked about this in the preseason. If this was going to be a situation with no Carson Wentz, right? More aggressive, more turnover. He's Jameis Winston, but like old Jameis Winston. Not the Jameis Winston throwing for 110 yards. <laughs> he's old Jameis Winston, where he's going to take shots downfield with the bigger mm-hmm. arm. And you can get uh-huh. some big plays. Of course, more interceptions, more potential balls that they don't catch. But going against the Titans, I would still take the chance with Michael Pittman. Another monster wow. game for Cooper <laughs> Cup in this one, you guys. And that's going to lead us to our discussion that we've got coming up where we're going to talk about players that maybe we're ready to panic on or maybe we want to still take it easy with after just a couple of weeks of this 2021 season. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg. This is The Deal. Each week, you'll hear us in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and, not uh, as simple you know, I, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. All right, guys, I want to get into the Chargers and the Cowboys and building off of what we were just talking about with Cooper Cup and Robert Woods, maybe some panic time. But let's start with someone who we're not panicking on. Funston, victory lap it up, get up, walk around that room you're in. Mike Williams, locked in fantasy starter. Is that true after what we saw in week two, building on what we saw in week one? I mean, what I mean, how could you not start him? Right. Like, listen, I mean, the first thing that we, you know, you know, we we the bluster of preseason, you got to not overreact. But when the you know, when the offensive coordinator says he's the Mike Thomas role, you got to get a little excited. And then when the first two weeks you get 12 targets and 10 targets, you get touchdown and you get, you know, 90 plus yards. Like, how can you not? How can you not be excited? Yeah. I mean, that's it's exactly what we hoped would play out. We're seeing it play out. So, um. So, yeah, I think you have to put him in as a locked-in start. He was the most targeted guy on the team in week two. 7, 10, 91, and 1 for Mike Williams after the 12-target game he had in week one. 22 targets from a quarterback we expect to be good and an offense we expect to be good. It might finally be happening for Mike Williams, and maybe it's happening in a way that we've discussed at least previously for Tony Pollard as well, you guys. He had himself a big day in this one. 13 carries, 109 yards, and a touchdown. Ezekiel Elliott was productive enough alongside him, but it was hard to watch this game and not feel like Pollard was looking like the better running back. And so let's talk about panic time. Some guys who we are maybe panicking on. Give me a yes, no, or maybe on each of these guys. And let's start it out here, Jake, with Ezekiel Elliott. Are you panicking on Ezekiel Elliott at all after what we've seen through two weeks? No, I'm not because the workload is still there. This is just their version of the Saints. Latavius Murray, Tony Pollard, if he doesn't score a touchdown, but you know, is it somebody you can start in a juicy match? Jamal Williams, is there Jamal Williams? Is that a very similar situation? I'm fine on Zeke. If anybody's panicking, I'll buy Zeke. I I still think that he's RB1, top 10 running back. 
Yeah, 44 snaps to 21 for Tony Pollard. So, I mean, it's pretty pretty large discrepancy. I'm not <laughs> panicking either. I don't like Tony Pollard taking production away from Ezekiel because I have a lot of it. But, <laughs> you know, if as long as that's the snap count disparity, then I'm okay with that. All right, Funston, next up we got another running back. Your panic meter on Clyde Edwards-Alaire. Look, at I, I don't have Clyde Edwards-Alaire anywhere because I was the lowest in the market on him probably. Um I think you got to look at – he should be Austin Eckler. They should be throwing to him and getting him nine catches a game. They didn't even, did they even complete a pass to him in this one? Did he catch a ball? Not in the passing game. Yeah. Yeah. yeah like, what are we doing here? And they don't really want to run the ball either. And mm-hmm. so, yeah, I think, this is a, I think this is a bit of a panic. Uh, but it, you can kind of see this. I mean, they didn't use him a ton in the passing game last year either. It was more. But, um, yeah, it's, I think you got to worry about the usage. Jake, oh, I thought we we're going to the next guy. No, no, no. Sorry. I want you to uh, CH, I, I, CH I, is a big one. We got to. I want you guys to weigh in on all these guys because these are important ones. Okay, I thought we were kind of bouncing back and forth, and these were one of the only if you have something to add. So I will say I had him down at twenty, I think, this week, and it feels like a solid spot. He's going to be a low in RB two because it's not the opportunities. He's mm-hmm. out there more than anybody. Daryl got three right. to his work. Got the touchdown. And he's in that mid. Yeah. But that's the he's got the mid teens. They do not want to use him at the goal line. And that's fine if you're going to be used in the passing game. Mm-hmm. But if you're not going to use him in the passing game, then, you know, he's going to continue to be he's a low end RB too. So if you need running back help, you could probably get him cheaper than that. People people are in full on panic mode. Mm-hmm. Uh, I brought up the trade with Chris. I said more panic, George Kittle versus Clyde Edwards Alaire. If you could get Clyde Edwards Alaire for George Kittle, I would immediately do it because running backs are harder to find. But that's kind of now the conversation you're having. He's a low end RB two, and I think he's stuck right there. And Barkley's gotta go poo-poo. So I'll be right back. I'm listening, <laughs> so I'll comment when I come back, but she's gotta do this. So there you go. <laughs> All right. Uh Fudston. How about Allen Robinson? Where are you sitting on him after a couple of games? Maybe you get a silver lining in that we could be seeing Justin Fields as the Bears starter in week three. Yeah, you got. I think you got to put a pin on things. I don't think anybody who looks at Andy Dalton's skill set thinks that that was a really good match for Allen Robinson. Mm-hmm. I mean, Allen Robinson's been like Terry McLaurin where he's made any quarterback kind of work for him. But you do look at Justin Fields and the upside of what, what Justin Fields' talent is Jibes very well with Allen Robinson's talent. I think you have to just sit there and let this one play out because we assume we're going to see a bit of Justin Fields and see how that matchup might work. But I'm kind of optimistic about how this pairing could be. Yeah, there was a big dropped touchdown, actually, from Allen Robinson after Justin Fields took over for the injured Andy Dalton. The ball that just went straight through Robinson's arms, and that would have been like a 40 or 45 yards, somewhere in there, touchdown from Fields to Robinson. So uh, definitely felt like they were maybe on the same page right from the jump, even though Robinson didn't haul that one in. How about Josh Allen as a potential panic guy? Uh, There just hasn't been – what I'm concerned about here with Josh Allen, Funston – is that we haven't seen the efficiency or the explosiveness from the Bills offense. And that was something that was a hallmark of this group last year. They were efficient, they were explosive. And even though they scored 35 points, it was another inefficient day for the passing game. And that more than anything would have me worried on Josh Allen. Not that I'm trying to get out of him, but more that maybe I feel like as QB2 back in draft season, maybe that was a little much for him. Yeah, without have like really, really diving into the film and stuff, I'm just wondering because they're having so much success running the ball right now. If teams are really, you know, just selling themselves out to not get burned by Josh Allen in the past. Uh, right now, it's like their best mode of attack is to use that running game. You're seeing Singletary, you know, making big plays, and even Zach 
Moss came in and had a couple touchdowns. But, yeah, in, Josh Allen, even last year, was a little bit slow out of the gate, if I remember right. So um, mm-hmm. I, I, I'm not – yeah, I'm not Tiny. discounting the fact that he could just start getting on a roll here. I still – I still, you know, I still can't wash away what I saw last year, which I thought he was just amazing, you know, and yeah. not just, oh, just one game, but like <laughs> for, you know, 10 weeks at a time, just awesome, you know, and I, I don't think that guy's gone away. It just might, you know, it might just take a few circumstances to fall in place for that to get back to that. Yeah, mild and zero on Allen Robinson and zero on Darnell Moody. <laughs> and I mean, it's like, look, that, why do we, that, why do we skip Robert Woods? I was going to say zero on Robert Woods. No, too, we're not but, done with Robert um, Woods. We're not skipping Robert Woods okay. at all. Let, let him do did. his thing. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, it's also that game was back and forth because Dalton came back. This has uh-huh. been a week in the offense to set up for Justin, Justin Fields, which is not going to be the same offense. It's yeah. going to be a different offense. Uh, I, I would say there's a one on Josh Allen, mostly because he shows some second year flashes of Josh Allen versus mm-hmm. last year. Some yeah. of the decision-making, some of the hesitancies for some of those throws. Uh, again, Miami's a very good defense, though. You know, between that secondary with Xavier Howard and those t- corners, which you could argue is top 10. So, I think matchup, but, you know, see more in week three. I think week three is the real tell. You know, mm-hmm. if Josh Allen goes out there a third straight week of being this Josh Allen, then we're kind of maybe to, you know, three or four out of five. Yeah, maybe that's the discussion that we're having. We're not worried about him yet, but we could be if we're having a discussion like this a week from now. Funston, you say no worries at all for Robert Woods, even though he has taken a clear backseat to Cooper Cup through two weeks. Yeah, I know, but it's kind of like the DK Metcalf thing too, right? Like it can't it can't always just be Tyler Lockett every week, and mm-hmm. DK Metcalf's gonna, things are going to swing his way. Sure. And right now, and and the weird thing is, is you look at the Rams. Uh, you could say Matt Stafford's just been too efficient. I mean, they've thrown 30 and 26 times yeah. in two weeks, so they're averaging 28 pass attempts. There hasn't been a whole lot else when you're getting 10 of those that are going to Cooper Cup, you know. So um, I think, you know, this will this will the pendulum will swing, but it's clear right now that Matt Stafford's number one guy is Cooper Cup. So as long as he can continue to just, you know, to, to have that connection going, it's probably not going to stop trying to tap into it. But I, I expect they're going to throw the ball more. And things are going to open up for Robert Woods a little bit more going forward as well. I'm not really concerned either. He's still right on the same amount of snaps and getting some carries at the backfield. So he's getting some work. But yeah, and one, zero. <laughs> not, not concerned about zero, Robert Woods. Telling you to take it easy here after two weeks. All right, one a piece, uh, one person a piece for these last two guys. So Jake, you've got Kenny Galladay. What's the panic level on him? I, I mean, I think the show as a whole was out on Kenny Galladay in draft season. So, you know, relative to that, obviously, you're not really changing the way you felt. <laughs> just, but let's yeah. say if you were a Ken, if you were a Kenny Galladay drafter, <laughs> how concerned would you be right now? Should be a five, and you should have listened. <laughs> Period. That's what it should. Kenny Galladay doesn't fit Daniel Jones. And if you watch that game, everybody's like, "I was funny." Emery Hunt and I were texting during that game, and I was jokingly <laughs> saying, "Could I get as many excuses as Daniel Jones gets in his career? Like, <laughs> please, like when I start going sideways and you know doing things wrong. Hey, I do plenty wrong already. I know, but can I get as many excuses? Daniel Jones played a fine game going to Sterling Shepard, but Daniel yeah. Jones and Kenny Galladay do not fit. Kenny Galladay could have had two of those catches if Kenny Galladay had that ball placed a little bit better. He is a contested catch wide receiver. Daniel Jones doesn't throw into coverage well. He tried. He, he, he threw that one to him when he was yeah, covered. It was, 
I, I put all no. that on Galladay. No. If he's a contested no. catch guy, how does he drop those balls? Because he's they're the one in a bad at... spot where the defender also oh, got man. his hand on his arm and on the ball. You put that top right that, instead no of... No way. Right, I, yes. hundred percent. Can I finish? You said one person each. <laughs> if you put Damn it bitch. in the right spot, and again, yes, we're talking like, what, 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 he has to like pigeonhole something? No, but because this is an NFL quarterback, you put it where Kenny Galladay's hands are, not where a defender can get to. You don't put it in Kenny Galladay's chest. You put it up here where only Kenny Galladay can get I, it. I think we're talking about different ones because he had a he had kind of a crossing route that was a it was an elevated pass and he oh, went up with his hand and it yeah. went right through his hands and in the announcer I forget who it was even said like that should be caught and okay, then yeah, you're, yeah. Ta- you're no, talking no, about I'm the talking about contested no I'm talking about the contested ones that that wasn't really contested you're right that was uh, through his hands that's through his hands that was that was in the right spot I'm talking about the two other ones one being the deep ball and then the one other to the side that was basically thrown where if you put it like backside shoulder if you put it mm-hmm. above, again all I'm saying this is this is like we could <laughs> Sit here and nitpick every yeah. single throw going to Kenny Galladay. The point being is he doesn't fit Daniel Jones' skill set great, and he doesn't okay. fit this offense. My great. issue with the whole thing was Kenny Galladay was not playing good enough to go over to Daniel Jones and berate him on the <laughs> sideline. He like, wasn't. He had a, they, they, he they, had no, no, no. They he, broke he that a, down. He was yelling. Okay. Jason Garrett was behind him, sitting there before Daniel Jones got there. Well, who the, was that guy? Who was that coach that I had never even? He looked like he was like a, a trainer or something. I don't know. Actually, but no, no. Dan Dugan actually tweet t- or Duggan is it Duggan? Is Duggan right? It's, I, I think, always mess up his I last name. I think it's Duggan. Duggan. Yeah. I always mess up his life. I can never. I always think I'm about to say it right, and then I say it wrong. Yeah. Anyway, he tweeted and actually, when that whole thing we were talking about, Brandon, his tweet is like Daniel he, Kenny Galladay had been yelling before Daniel Jones even sat down. So. It, he wasn't. It, if you look at it, it's kind of like he was probably yelling at Garrett mm-hmm. before Daniel Jones got in there. So that's why. But mm-hmm. point being, it's just not a good fit. That, that, that that's what all it comes down to is it's not a good fit, Kenny Galladay or Daniel Jones. All right, one more here, really quickly. We're gonna have to like cut the bottom, <laughs> the back third of this show. Uh, Brandon, I mean, you made a show sheet for like four days worth of stuff. I, I look, already told him look, that. Look, mistakes were made this morning. I got like my first good night's sleep in five months. I was feeling juiced up. We'll save some of it for Thursday. Anyways, <laughs> Brandon Ayuk, Funston, what's the panic level on him? I think it's it's decent right now. I mean, come on. He played enough snaps to get more than one. Again. <laughs> Look, he got one catch. He was, I mean, he was out there. I mean, he got ignored. So did George Kittle. I mean, yeah, I'm I'm a little bit worried just about this passing game in general. Is, is there only one guy that's going to be able to show out each week? So, uh, yeah, it was it was a soft. It was a soft competition game again. So maybe in more contested spots, they'll throw it a little bit more. And I, I don't know. I'm a little bit worried. If I if I had Brandon Ayuk, I'd be a little bit worried after two weeks. You know, getting called out by the coach for not showing. You know, showing his talent over Trent Sherfield <laughs> in the preseason, and then that literally going out and doing nothing in two weeks. Well, I'm just saying it's what it's what happened. He you know, gets that, both. He gets that's <laughs> this is. Oh man, and is that for Shanahan right there? That's for Shanahan. Nobody believe zero. I'm buying Ayuk everywhere because here's I why. Want to try that he's too. not. He's not. A, he's not 100%. But that's the good thing. I agree. Like Brandon, it was a bad game, and but you should have been. I don't think anybody was starting Brandon Ayuk. I had him in the 40s because I had the upside if he did catch a touchdown. But look at the snaps: 38, 49 for Debo, 70 for Kittle, 43 for Mitchell, even exiting the game. He's not quite there yet, and that's what it really comes down to. Is I'm confident in the fact that he's already the second most snaps in his second game back. He's still not 100%. I think the Shanahan thing was one making excuses, trying to gloss over the fact he's still not 100%. 
Yeah. And then two, just Pan- making panicking sure. Panicking is not is not the same as buying low. I'm not saying I wouldn't buy low. Yeah. I'm saying if I draft a Brandon Ayuk, I'm worried that I may have to, you know, go out and sell him for 70, 60 cents no, on the dollar no, right away. Yeah. Oh, I mean- <laughs> yet another hold guy here. <laughs> for uh, Brandon Ayuk. So yeah, I mean, that's, where, that's where we're sitting on a lot of these guys who uh, have fallen short of expectations in week two. Now I got to make all these decisions here because the show was made way too long. Let's talk about the San Francisco backfield really quickly. I mean, obviously we're waiting on injury results and where these guys are standing, but do we feel comfortable that this is Mitchell clearly one, Sermon clearly, I mean, not one, I guess. I don't even know if I would say two, but in a world where everyone's healthy, is that how we're feeling about this backfield, Jake? Yeah, because it, again, Shanahan, this is Shanahan's annoying. Uh, Shanahan's also been truthful about this. Sermon didn't get a single touch until Mitchell got hurt, mm-hmm. and it was Hasty initially. Hasty had about I think three or four touches before Sermon got his, and unfortunately for Sermon, uh, got hit in the back of the head, concussion slash could be other stuff. I mean that looked pretty bad. Uh, but it's Mitch, Mitchell's the guy, and then Mitchell came back and he's healthy. Mitchell was the guy again, and Hasty even got like, a little dinged up. Mitchell is kind of in the Edwards Alaire conversation, mid-low RB2, but he is the lead guy. Uh, interestingly enough, somebody else brought this up, and I echoed the sentiment, is the fact that Sermon didn't spend a lot of time, as you well know, watching a lot of Big Ten over there. Mm-hmm. Sermon didn't spend a lot of time lined up behind the quarterback in a traditional offense. Right. A lot of times it was in a shotgunny offense, which Lance, that's what the offense should move to. Maybe that's what they're waiting for Sermon, mm-hmm. and he's not adapted to playing behind the quarterback. So that takes some time, and that could be good for Sermon. But for all intents and purposes, it doesn't matter because Lance might not even start till week 15. If it is all. Elijah Mitchell for now. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, nothing to add would just to help for expediency here. <laughs> uh, <laughs> let's get on to – so we talked a little bit about Justin Fields. Uh, so far, it seems like nothing serious for Andy Dalton. It seems like they're ruling out any ligament damage. They're calling it a bone bruise. would have to imagine Justin Fields starts in week three at Cleveland, and then week four, if he still is starting, that is at home against the Lions. So a good opportunity for Justin Fields here over these next couple of weeks, and then we feel pretty good about Allen Robinson, Darno Mooney, really the entire Chicago offense. The other side of that game, the quarterback on it, I want to talk about that, you guys, because we were just loving, loving, loving the potential volume for Joe Burrow this season, 27 Hmm. attempts in week one, 30 in week two. Is it time to recalibrate volume expectations for him in this passing game, Jake? Uh, Unfortunately, I think it is. I don't know what's going on. Um, Meany said it to me is that, you know, there's actually been talk uh, from uh, our own athletic site that they're running a conservative offense through two games, whether that's because Joe Burrow's not 100%, whether that's because they're trying to lean on Mixon with a questionable offensive line, whatever it might be. The offense has been conservative. It's been fine for Jamar Chase and T. Higgins. You know, we're not concerned there. We're concerned if the QB one that you have is Joe Burrow. And I'll admit at this point, I have some concerns as he's my only quarterback in the flex leagues. I have some because he needs to catch up to even be in the conversation to be leading the league in pass attempts, which I thought could happen this year. So hopefully this changes moving forward as maybe Burrow gets healthier and they see that this isn't winning games for them. But it did well through week one, not so much in week two. Um, it, it is, a, I'd say, on a one to five scale, two to three, mm-hmm. somewhere around there. Yeah, I think, you know, in last year, I don't know that they were in games like they've been in this year as well. But when we were talking about Derek Carr, you know, I want, I want to bring up Joe Burrow because I think you're at the point now where you're 
it's only been two games, but you kind of would be like, ah, maybe I'd rather have Derek Carr than Joe Burrow at this point. And it's way different. I mean, when we're talking about where they were getting drafted, I mean, you were looking at a much different team build if that was the route that you went as well. So, yeah, I think, I mean, I'm all over Joe Burrow. I've got him in a ton of leagues, and it was a lot of volume base that we were doing that on, and I think that there is reason to be concerned about that volume. I mean, he's doing – obviously, the Bears got to him for those three straight interceptions, but he still is – doing well enough with the volume that he's had, but we wanted this to be sitting at, you know, 37 and 40 attempts, not 27 and 30 attempts in his first two games. So definitely recalibrate those expectations as things are looking for the Cincinnati passing game through two weeks. All right, guys, just a couple of more topics for us to get to here. I do want to have a little bit of a um, a trade discussion. Obviously, we can't get too deep into it. We'll save some of it for Thursday. But I want to use Marvin Jones as the cipher through which we look at this trade discussion because Marvin Jones has been a very productive guy through two weeks. He's had uh, touchdowns in both games for Jacksonville. This is someone who we were on in a big way in draft season. It does feel as though he is the number one receiver for Jacksonville. And so often in the fantasy world, we talk about buy low candidates and it's a nice thing to talk about, but it's not always as easy as we want to make it seem. I like talking about buy high candidates, guys who uh, people would are assuming, Oh, I'm this guy's had two good weeks, but he's not really this good. I'm going to go sell him high. Is there anyone who you think, and maybe Marvin Jones is a guy who could fit this bill, is a buy-high candidate, a guy who has seemingly outperformed expectations through two weeks, but you think this can be who he really is? Uh, Jake, why don't you take this one first? Yeah, I'm going to include the other wide receiver that I kept saying time and 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 time again (laughs) with these two. I still haven't got my Volume is King t-shirt yet. I should be working on this, but Marvin Jones and Brandon Cooks, Marvin Jones and Brandon Cooks, Marvin Jones and Brandon Cooks on so many of my teams, so many times I pounded the table for them in the preseason. Volume is King, volume is King, volume is King. Uh, Yes, go by. I don't even care if Davis Mills is the quarterback. I don't care. I told you, I don't care if I'm throwing him the ball. If you're going to give me that kind of volume and that target, what was, what was Brandon Cooks target share? By the way, it was like 60% this week. Like just go get these guys. Yeah, Brand Cooks was not expecting. I was thought he was going to have a down week, and so so far so good on him. I like all these guys. You know, I'm in on Mike Williams. Uh, Jake and I were both in on Sterling Shepard as being like just ridic- another one. ridiculously disrespected. I I'll say Debo Samuel too. I would buy high on Debo mm-hmm. Samuel. I mean, he's got he's averaging you know double digit targets in the first two weeks. As much as you think Ayuk might rebound, it's still we're still only talking about you know there's. There's not a whole lot of other guys. What do you think about Trent Sherfield as a thing? It's, it's <laughs> right. really Debo and Ayuk eventually, but right now Debo is the one who's showing up each week. So uh, I would buy high on him as well and throw him into that group. Yeah, I think you could. It's really a wide receiver heavy group. I think you could put Sterling Shepard in there. I think he really fits what the Giants are going to be doing offensively this season. Mike Williams, who we talked about earlier in the show, I think he could fit in there with the role that we've seen him play for the Chargers through the first couple of weeks of the season. I think all those guys, there's reason to believe that the first two weeks of the season are for real and the sort of players they are going to be the rest of the way. Let's look at the other side of this just really quickly, some buy low candidates. And I do want to get into this a little bit more on Thursday, but we're running out of time on this episode. Uh, Brandon, anyone who jumps out at you as a nice buy low candidate through two weeks. And again, let's be realistic about it. Someone who you think the current manager would actually be willing to sell at a price lower than what they were gotten at on draft day. Well, I'm just looking at your list that you put down of, of guys and the guys I like. I mean, Najee Harris, 
look at this offensive line isn't good, but you saw he actually had a, a good day uh, because of the usage. And what we said is like volume, volume, volume. Doesn't matter if it's on a bad team with a bad offensive line. You get the volume, it's going to work out for you. And I think that's, you know, Pittsburgh's still got a long ways to go in run blocking, but, you know, I expect. I expect that this will just continue to get a little bit better. And I just got done watching A.J. Brown that entire yeah. game. He left a lot of points on the field. He had a couple balls that he should have had. Um, but he, to me, just he's a, he's still he's the number one guy there. I know Julio Jones had 100 yards before halftime, but A.J. Brown still looks like, when you're watching the game, like the number one guy in the passing game. I think that's a realistic one, too. With what Julio did, and he should have had the touchdown, too, and you just haven't yeah. gotten much from A.J. Brown – I think that one is actually doable. I think you could pull that off. Jake, anyone you want to throw into this discussion? Uh, you have him on the list. Uh, uh, by low for perception, maybe, is Devontae Williams. Mm-hmm. Still was better again. And if you watch the game, looked better than Melvin Gordon yep. again, yep. outperforming him more. Clearly on a per-touch basis this week for people that only look at the box score so you can see it this time, unlike week one. But it's going to be him as more of a commanding lead at some point. It, again, this is similar to Michael Carter. You have to be patient, and maybe some people aren't because they see the split going forward and that it's working for them so far. So I would still I would buy a load of Javante Williams on people who think that Melvin Gordon is going to be a thorn inside the entire year. Yeah, and that's another one that I think is realistic. When you just compare their numbers against each other, Melvin's a little bit uh, built up by that 70-yard touchdown run that he had in week one. I think that is one that you could probably get away with as a buy low candidate. I'll throw one guy out there as well. I'm going to preface this by saying I probably need to be 2-0 and if I'm going to do it. But I would just go check in on the Odell Beckham manager and see what they're thinking. Uh, Too inactive, still recovering from that injury from last year. Jarvis Landry (laughs) also injured as well. Yeah, maybe depending on the size of your league, Odell could get dropped. But this is one I would check on and just see how low you can go and get Odell. Because if and when he does come back, I think that he could be someone who is very useful and should still be the wide receiver one in that Cleveland offense. I got to be 2-0, not even doing it at 1-1. But if I'm 2-0... OBJ owners panicking a little bit, understandably so. I would go ahead and take a look at that. One more thing before we wrap things up here. Something you're going to be watching for in the Monday night game between the Packers and the Lions. Jake, what do you got here? Mm, I'm looking for DeAndre Swift to look good again, uh, even in what potentially could be a backwards matchup of <laughs> what we expect the Packers to have done in week one. So I'm not, not concerned about Aaron Jones, not concerned about Devontae Adams, not just concerned about Aaron Rodgers, like none of that. So I just want to see DeAndre Swift get that same like 60-40 split we saw in week one. I'm going to be watching for 80 yards and a touchdown from Marquez Valdez-Scantling. Uh, I've, I've, I've played the lottery <laughs> ticket on him. I like the eight targets in week one. Didn't work out uh-huh. at, at well. It was three catches, but this is the Lions. And look, I, I looked it up. Scantling scored in like eight games. His last his last eight games he's had touchdowns have been seven of them have been 80-plus yards and a touchdown. So when he goes big, you know, when he gets in the end zone, he usually goes pretty big. And I think that's going to happen tonight. And that's the guy to look for, really, on Green Bay, because Jake's right. We shouldn't be panicking on any of those big three. Rodgers, Devontae, Aaron Jones, they're going to do their thing. That's no doubt about that. Do it tonight. They're going to do it this season. But if there's another guy in this Green Bay offense who can be developed and do something of a consistent starter, MVS is almost certainly that guy. We heard it at the end of training camp. He's the number two receiver. We saw it in terms of the usage in week one. If he can get something going, then maybe he is not an every week starter, but someone who is on the fringes of that discussion and then factors in as the season drags along. So 
definitely a guy to keep your eye on in the game between the Packers and the Lions tonight. Thanks for keeping your eyes and your ears on us here at the Athletic Fantasy Football Podcast. If you are indeed listening to us on this Monday, this is the last day to take advantage of our 50% off deal. Uh, 50% off a subscription to The Athletic. Go to theathletic.com slash fantasyfootballpod to take advantage. For Brandon Funston and Jake Seeley, I'm Michael Beller. Thanks again for watching on YouTube. Thanks again for listening. The three of us are back on Thursday when we'll talk week three rankings and maybe some of the stuff we didn't get to today. We'll talk to you then. Have a great day. We'll see you all soon.